Hey, Bulls Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and we're previewing the upcoming 2022 season for your Chicago Bulls. Now, it's amazing when you take stock of everything. And I did this recently because I realized that we're at episode number 80 for the Rebuildable Podcast. Technically, we've done more than that. We had some special series we've run, and if we want to use like sci-fi or comic book terminology, I don't acknowledge that as canon, if you will. But in terms of standard episodes, I've done 80 of them to this point. And I kicked this whole thing off in April of 2019, right when the season ended. And that was a season where you were coming off a year where expectations were that Laurie Markkinen would take a big jump and Chris Dunn would take a big jump. And it didn't happen. We knew that Zach Levine was worth the money he was getting paid for, the contract he just signed. But we were sort of in this state of uncertainty after the 2019 season. And I remember kicking things off with all of those episodes where I had guests put together a plan to turn the Bulls into title contenders. And I remember they were doing some of these during that 2019 draft and 2019 free agency where the Bulls landed Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky. And you thought, okay, it's a nice little team. You know, in a weak Eastern Conference, maybe they take a big step. But you still have Jim Boylan as head coach. You still have a declining brain trust in Garpax. And we just felt like we were on this treadmill, right? This treadmill that we just kept running and running and running, but we really were going nowhere. But then you have All-Star Weekend 2020, and it seems like from that point on, everything changed. When the Bulls were the laughing stock of the league, people from around the country came to Chicago, but they couldn't tell you who's on the Bulls. You know, they knew Zach was there, but they couldn't tell you about anybody else. They didn't care. There was no bull representing the team in the All-Star game. The only thing that was brought about the Chicago Bulls was, man, how unfortunate that they're not a good team anymore. That was the storyline. You can't tell the story of the NBA without the Chicago Bulls, right? Right? Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, you can't tell the, the story of the league without them. It's unfortunate that they suck. Basically, that's what we had to hear all All-Star weekend. And then the pandemic hit. And changes were made. Arturis Karnaschovas is hired as executive VP of basketball operations, taking John Paxson's spot. He fires Gar Foreman, hires Mark Eversley to be the general manager, brings in other people that he knows throughout the league to be part of the front office, puts an emphasis on player development, fires a clown head coach in Jim Boylan, replaces him with Billy Donovan, and in 2021, uses the season to evaluate. And the Bulls front office and head coach evaluate the roster. And what do they realize? They can win with Zach Levine. He could be a key part of this roster because every year he improves. And in a season of evaluation, he manages to show Billy Donovan that he's bought in. He manages to show the Bulls brain trust he's bought in. And so at the deadline, they decide to add an all-star caliber center in Nikola Vucevic. They rid themselves of Wendell Carter. They rid themselves of 
the Otto Porter contract, the man the former brain trust made the promise to, Chandler Hutchison. Now, they were trying to make the playoffs last year, but it didn't work out. You know, Zach goes into COVID protocols. They lose a majority of their games there down the stretch, and they fall out of that playing range. But the front office knew from the day they made that Vucevic trade the direction they wanted to take this in. They wanted to show Zach Levine that they were going to surround him with the necessary talent to bring this team into the playoff picture and cement them into the playoff picture. And the acquisitions of Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, those were moves telling Zach and telling all of you, the Chicago Bulls fans, we're not settling for mediocrity. We're not settling for another year where you have no playoff basketball, another year where you have to wait for the draft lottery to get excited. Nope. We're going to get this team back in the playoffs. Are they title contenders right now? It's doubtful. It doesn't look that way right now. Could they get there? Sure. Might it take some other moves down the road to make that happen? Probably. But they are in a much better spot now than they were when I started this podcast in 2019. In a much better spot. So as I sit here to preview this season, you know, I can't help but get nostalgic and think to when I started this podcast and see where the teams come from at that moment where... Man, we were banking on Chris Dunn and Larry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. to take this step up, to become players that maybe they just were never fit to be. We wanted them to be all-star caliber players. And I think the proof is that that's not what those guys are. Even one of the guys that's on the roster right now, I talk about this a lot, Kobe White. You know, the number seven pick in 2019. We were hoping he could outperform his draft stock and become an all-star caliber point guard. But he might just be a really awesome spark plug combo guard, and there is nothing wrong with that. And it's amazing because if you think like back two years ago, nobody would have wanted that. We wanted more because we were just dying to have a core that we could be proud of. Zach Levine, I know he turned me, as I've mentioned in some of the previous episodes leading up to this, He turned me into a believer. I wasn't sure exactly where his ceiling was, but I now know that that is a piece that can be a key component on a championship contending team. Is he necessarily a number one alpha dog? I don't know about that yet, but he's pretty damn close to being a vital piece, a 1A, a 2 on a title contender, and you need those. And I'm happy Zach is that guy. And I'm excited to see a guy like DeMar DeRozan, a shot creator next to him, a guy who can facilitate in the half court, a guy who could be the Robin to his Batman on offense. I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to see what Nikola Vucevic can do in a full season with Zach, helping him space the floor. Vuce has so much versatility. You know, he's got the size to play down low, but he can play from the top of the key. He can play from the three-point line on offense. He's a really good passer. I'm excited to see what Nikola Vucevic can do in a full year with the Chicago Bulls. I'm excited to see Lonzo Ball. Like this preseason, that's been the biggest takeaway for me is Lonzo Ball looks energized here in Chicago. What he's done 
pushing the ball full court as a facilitator, what he's done defensively in limited preseason action has me so damn excited. I'm really pumped to see what Lonzo Ball can bring to this team. And I know there's a ton of other Bulls fans that are super pumped to see what he can do this season. Because you see him and DeMar DeRozan bring a little extra energy to this team. And how about Alex Caruso and Alizé Johnson bringing in a little defensive intensity? You know, a lot of the national pundits and some of us Bulls fans have been concerned about what this team could be defensively. You know, Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, we know about their limitations defensively. But let me tell you something. Alex Caruso and Alizé Johnson can bring a level of toughness and defensive prowess that you can bring off the bench at any time, and you can weave those pieces in at any point. And let's not sleep on the fact that last year they weren't a bad defensive team. The stats actually showed they were pretty decent, and that could actually improve this year. I know we get hung up on the fact Vucevic isn't a, an ace rim protector or that DeMar DeRozan has deficiencies and that Zach's not the best help defender. He's okay on ball, but not great as a help defender. But, you know, we saw in the Olympics, Zach Levine took a step up. Nikola Vucevic, I don't think he's an awful defender. He still has length. And you add the fact that you have Patrick Williams, who you're playing at his natural position at the four, where he's comfortable defensively, and you have Alizé Johnson and Alex Caruso, and you have Lonzo Ball. This team might actually be a little bit better than we think. And with these preseason games, that's the takeaway that I have, is this team might actually be able to hold their own defensively. And if they can hold their own defensively this season, combined with the firepower on offense, this team's ceiling might be higher than we think. You know, the the only thing that we have here is a very bungled Eastern Conference. After Brooklyn and Milwaukee, it's tough to determine what that picture is going to look like. You know, maybe the 76ers might be in that mix of title contenders out of the East, but we don't even know how that whole situation is going to play out. We know Ben Simmons is back with them, but there's a lot of tension in the room over there. I mean, after what Joel Embiid said about Ben Simmons, how's that going to translate on the court? And then if they make a move, are they going to make a substantial move to improve their roster? Or are they just going to end up shedding Ben Simmons for nearly nothing? So there's a lot of questions still there in Philly. The Bulls, I think, find themselves in this collection. And I've brought it up on other episodes, and it was part of our State of the Bulls panel. We were joined by Matt Peck from Locked On Bulls, Salim Surduala from Bulls Gold, Buzz from Bulls on Tap. And we were all in agreement. Like, this Eastern Conference, you basically throw a friggin' dart after the top two teams. And even then, like Matt Peck brought up a great point. Is Brooklyn a shoo-in to be a first or second seed? Or do they even care about the regular season? We all know about this Kyrie Irving situation. If he's not going to be playing this year, and they want to give some of their veterans, mainly Kevin Durant, James Harden, some load management... They might not stack up the regular season wins. You know, same maybe for Milwaukee this year, coming off of a a deep run in the postseason. By the way, a postseason that ended in July because of COVID. So things could get interesting when we look at seeding in the Eastern Conference this year. I think it's safe to say that the Bulls could easily finish anywhere between four to eight, right? If it takes a while to gel, if injuries happen, maybe they fall down a little bit where they're in that play-in range. But if everything goes well, 
there's no reason why they can't be in one of those positions where they're locked into a playoff seed without having to go into the play-in tournament. And you have to fall within that one to six range not to be in the play-in, right? Play-in is anywhere from seven to 10. But seriously, it really wouldn't shock me if the Chicago Bulls at season's end are a third seed and finish with the third best record in the conference. Why? If they're gelling like we're seeing them gel in the preseason and we get into the regular season slate, and again, teams like Milwaukee and Brooklyn do this balancing act with load management and... There's other inconsistencies within the East. Maybe Atlanta takes a step back. New York takes a step back. Philadelphia has all the drama and takes a step back. I would not be surprised to see the Chicago Bulls stack up some wins and end up near the top of the Eastern Conference in that third seed. I would not be surprised at all. Hell, I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if there are one or two seed based on the regular season. Now, that doesn't mean that they'd be title contenders. It doesn't. We, we've seen this happen in the NBA where a team can easily stack up regular season wins and might not have the talent or next gear to win playoff series. We've seen that plenty of times. So I'm not saying by any means that the Bulls were title contenders, but I wouldn't be surprised if they stack up regular season wins and find themselves in an advantageous spot entering the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Now, I mentioned earlier that we did a State of the Bulls panel in our previous episode, and it was a really good discussion looking at all of the acquisitions from this offseason and really previewing the expectations for this team in 2022. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's a really good preview leading into this upcoming season that's just a couple of days away. So I'll probably also be reposting that via the Rebuildable Twitter handle or my Twitter handle, at mgentil88. But in this episode today, I want to do something a little fun. Last year, I did over-unders. If you're not familiar with over-unders, what you're trying to do is predict whether or not a player or a team will hit the over or under on a projected total or projected average. So for instance, um, you might ask, are the Bulls going to win over or under 40 games? Or is Zach Levine going to average over or under 25 points per game? And I did that last year with a guest. And this person crushed it, went eight of nine on the over-unders that I presented him. And he's coming back today to see if he can do just as good of a job this season. So joining me to do some over-unders is the host of the Bulls Beat podcast and co-host of the Big Red Bus podcast, Doug Tonus. Doug, welcome back to the Rebuildable podcast. And are you excited to do some over-unders again after last year? Uh, I, I just found out that I was dominant dominant last year. And so this year, I think I can probably reverse that and then end up right at the mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's usually how it works. So you, you might have just caught a heater in 2020 when we did these. And, you know, now you're going to you'll regress back to the normal. That's what usually happens. But, as, as a math guy, that is that's my my uh, my prediction. But maybe I'll be wrong on that over under and I'll, uh, I'll I'll actually do fantastic again. You never know. 
Hey, maybe you're just a wizard or a savant. That's why you, <laughs> you are the podfather after all. Yeah, should you, go to Vegas. You, you yeah. Let's get to this. All right, so last year, the only over-under you missed on was Zach Levine points per game. The number was set at 25 and a half. You, like me, went with the under. He ended up hitting uh, the over with 27.4 points per game. So let's kick it off with that same over-under. Zach Levine points per game, over or under 26 and a half. I'm going to go with the under again, even though I got burned last time. I just think there's too many options on offense. Um, yeah, I love Zach Levine, but I, I, man, if he hits the over again, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's fine. I guess uh, you think of Harden and Durant. They probably would both go over on that. Uh, Zach Levine's a dominant scorer, but I think just see, what I've seen from him so far in preseason, he does look like he's going to get his shots. He's getting them so easily, but his shot volumes are down. His his percentages are amazing. I don't expect him to be a so he's got 90 50 50 guy right now which would just be unreal unreal and i, I love zach but i still think i'm gonna go a little bit under i, I think he'll be it's a good number though that's right about what i would guess it, it's crazy because like i want to be ballsy and say the over but i think i'm gonna go with the under too just because of balance i think this is a team where you have the addition of demar you have vooch uh with, you know with the trade deadline acquisition i do think it's going to be balanced but i do think he's going to get his shots i think right around 26 that's probably the number that's probably the best possible guess is around 26 a game which is still really good so yeah he's gonna be he's gonna have an outstanding season i mean i think he's gonna have an outstanding season but man i I keep wanting to talk myself into the over but i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with the under (laughs) all right let's go to uh let's go to lonzo ball here and i want to go to assist per game because Around the time he was acquired, you saw a lot of Bulls fans chomping at the bit and projecting seven, eight assists per game. But you got to be reasonable. It's much more balanced in today's game. And with the, again, acquisition of DeMar DeRozan, who's going to facilitate in half court. You have Nikola Vucevic, top of the post, a high post that could operate as a passer. So I went with six as the number. So over or under six assists per game for Alonzo Ball. Mm, I'm going to take the over. And I think that one is... Also a little tricky only because he's not a great creator in the half court. Um, so a lot of assists are going to be in transition. I think we both probably agree that's true. Once you get into the half court, it wouldn't be surprising to see DeMar doing a little bit more of the creation. But I still just don't think six is that high of a number. I think uh, I think as long as he plays a good number of minutes, he's going to get six pretty easily. I think that's that's also the direction I'm going. I'm going with the over on, on Lonzo assists per game. And it's going to be tricky to get a little higher on that end. So like six and a half or more, I don't know if you're going to see that from him this year just because of, again, balance on this team with half-court offense. So uh, I'm going to also say the over, but not by much on six assists per game. Another Lonzo stat. Lonzo ball three-pointers attempted. Now, I'm putting the over or under at 550. Let me tell you why. Last year, he had a career high of 455. That was in 55 games in 2021. So that's about 8.3 attempts per game. You multiply that by 82, you get about 681 attempts in a full season. However, you got to keep this in mind. He's never played a full year. So I'm accounting for him missing some games. And with more games, you're accounting for the fact that number could go down. He could have games where he underperforms and doesn't shoot as many threes. 
So again, over or under 553 point attempts in 2022, what do you say, Doug? I'm going to go under. Um, it's really just a games played question, right? Like, uh, most interestingly, it's a games played question. If he plays 60 games, pretty much there's no way he's going to hit that number. Regardless, if he plays 82 games, I think he would he would gather that number. Uh, I just plugged him in for 70 at seven attempts a game. Just to say, that's kind of what I thought. I got 490. That's considerably under the under there. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the under on there. But it is like, it's it's just like I said, how many games do you think Lonzo's going to play? And I think looking at his career, if you assume he misses at least 10 games, you're, you're probably in a pretty good spot there. Oh, man, we're still in agreement I'm going with the under, and that's what I projected about. Um, I think it is a question of games played. So I do think he's going to, you know, just as we've seen throughout his whole career, he's going to miss some some games this year and you know he might not get to that total and i do think maybe the the shot volume goes down a little bit with the current makeup of the roster so like you i'm going with the under so eventually we got to disagree at some point here you i'll know. fight you on the next one regardless all right there you, you go. go first you and go. then i'll just be forced into the other side <laughs> uh so i'm gonna go with uh demar Derozan assists per game so i've set the over under at six now he surpassed five or six per game the last four seasons and reached his career high last year of 6.9. Nice. So over under six assists per game, Doug. I'm going to take the under. He was the number one ball handler, kind of number one offensive option everywhere, you know, like the last few years. And I think here he, he might actually be third. I mean, certainly Zach's going to be number one in terms of shots, but Lonzo, I think, is going to be number one in terms of managing the ball in his hands. So... Well, I think DeMar will have a nice season here. I don't think he's going to hit that uh, same same metric, just not enough opportunities. Yeah, like you, I'm going with the under, and I think it's going to be like low fives, like maybe 5.1-ish assists per game. So I'm also going with the under on that one. Uh, let's stick with DeMar DeRozan. Points per game, over under 19.5. And, and I'm going to set this up again here. He's averaged 20 or more the last eight seasons. But again, you have Zach, you have Vooch, who also have the potential to give you 20 points per night. So this is basically this number of 19 and a half. It's asking you, do you think DeRozan's scoring averages will stay the same while Zach's or Vooch's dip? Or if his dip, will Zach's and Vooch's stay the same? So again, 19 and a half over under for DeMar DeRozan. I, I'll take the over. I was thinking in my head when you just said points and for each of these I just had a number in my head before you told me what the over under was so in my head I was like 20 points a game so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over it's you know obviously below 19 and a half would be his worst year in a long time I agree with your assessment of the just it's gonna be tough for all these guys to figure out who's gonna get the points and where they're gonna get the shots but I don't think he's gonna drop below that uh, 20 number I think he'll be able to stay above that Okay, so this is finally where we disagree. I'm going with the under, and I do think it's just going to be you know, a balancing act all season. I do think it'll be right around that number of, of 19 a game, and he could be very efficient, but I think it's going to come down to the fact that uh, the scoring load's probably going to come mostly from Zach, and I do think Vooch is going to have nights where he does maybe feast just on matchups alone. All right, I'm going to go to Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams, points per game, over or under 11. Now, keep in mind, he averaged 9.2 in his rookie season, so probably could see a nice little jump up, but again, you added some pieces this year, so over or under 11 points per game for Patrick Williams. Mm. 
my my gut feeling is like, boy, I sure hope he scores more points per game than that, uh, without thinking about it too deeply. But yeah, it's 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 really hard. He's going to be probably the fifth option on offense, you know, when he's out there. So it's it's tough to see him, you know, getting uh, so many so many attempts. Uh, he did play 28 minutes a game last year. I don't know that those minutes are going to go up dramatically. I still think I'm going to take the over though. Uh, even though it's going to be tough to find all the attempts and everything else, I, th- I think you'll get enough open threes, you know, to knock down a couple of those a game and find a few other. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to give him the over. I, I just want to have at least some hope on Patrick Williams. If he averages nine points a game again, I think that'd be pretty disappointing. So I'm going to go with the under, but I think it's going to be an optimistic under, like a 10.8 points per game average. And I think we might see the development kick up in. Uh, on the defensive end of the floor, and I think even offensively you might see more efficiency from three, but it might just be the number of attempts that kind of bring that point total down. So I'm going to go with a slight under. Um, and I'm, I'm actually curious, Doug, just a quick aside with Patrick Williams. What kind of a leap are you hoping to see in year two? Sounds like you, you want to be optimistic. He's MVP. Um, you know, that would be amazing if I could just hope. Uh, no, I mean, I assume we're going to throw the word realistically in there. Uh, realistic. Like a realistic good season for Patrick Williams, you know, probably be really strong progression on the de- defensive end, um, you know, and just more assertiveness. I think on both ends, I thought he was a pretty passive player. Uh, and then yeah, I'd like to see him just have a quicker release on his three-point shot. I think, you know, he he can shoot well, but his volume was low, and I think his volume is low. If you compare him to like Lowry Markkinen, his volume is low because Lowry is just tall and can get his shot off quickly. And Pat is just a little bit shorter and then also just doesn't have a quick release. So he needs a lot more room to get that shot off. So for me, if he was able to shoot quicker, that would actually improve his uh, capabilities as a shooter tremendously. And that's, I don't know if you've ever worked on release speed with your shot, but it's not a easy thing to speed up your shot and still maintain um, the same level of consistency. And, you know, it takes a lot of practice to do. So I'm, I'm hoping that's one thing he's done. Um, other than that, I don't think we're going to see him create a whole lot off the dribble or, or be a whole lot as a creator or facilitator. So it's mainly, can he become like a dominant 3 and D type of player is sort of like what I would like to see him focus on. I want to be really aggressive defensively, look like he belongs defensively against all positions, and then just be assertive with his open shots and uh, and, and take them quickly and knock them down. If, if I see that, I'll be really happy. And then over time, you know, when you got some of these other guys coming off the books or maybe aging, then you can start seeing if he can pick up his own individual offense a little bit more. I think the one thing like with Bulls fans the last couple of years, they've had these high expectations for Kobe White. And I, you kind of see the same thing with Patrick Williams. And they want to bring in the Kawhi Leonard comparison. I would be happy if he's Blue All Dang. Like if you told me I could pick Blue All Dang at number four in a draft, I'd be happy. But I, I feel like most Bulls fans don't want that. I mean, would you be okay with that? I mean, sure. If we got him, especially given the quality of the draft, like you looked at four and you're like, who knows what four is going to be in that particular draft. If you ended up with a guy who is like a fringe all-star, you know, I mean, Luol Deng made two all-star games, but I don't know that we'd really say he was a deserving all-star. No offense to Luol Deng. He was like one of the weaker all-stars each of the times he made it. You know, if Pat Williams had a career where like, yeah, maybe he sneaks in on a really good team year, you know, as the extra guy and he's, uh, he's, he's a decent scorer and a good defender and a great glue guy and does a little bit of everything you'd be re- I'd be really happy with that I remember someone used the phrase to me once that uh, Luol Deng is a good table guy he doesn't take anything off the table like every uh, he's got kind of like a 
set of all the different skills. I, I think as his career went on and three-point shooter shooting became more important, we'd say he took three-point shooting off the table. But like early in his career, he's kind of like, yeah, Sora does everything. He defends versatile. He's he's like pretty solid at kind of everything all the way around and very versatile. And you know, Pat Williams is maybe in the same mold, except the more modern version of that shooting threes instead of long twos. Mm-hmm. The the old uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. yeah, I mean, re- and really what it came down to when people said that, I think, is he didn't create a lot off the dribble. And mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll ever see that from Pat Williams either. But we'll see. You know, it's like I never want to project too much what a guy can or can't do when they're 19. You know, it's like I, my expectation is he's not going to do all these things because most people who don't do them at 19 don't become amazing at them at 26. But there right. are exceptions like Jimmy Butler became an amazing player. Um, and so people always use him and Kawhi Leonard is another guy. And, and even like Giannis is another guy. Like, yeah, there's a lot of athletic freaks though that don't go on to be great players that just are like Gerald Green, you know, like sure. not, not that Gerald Green is in the same caliber of athlete as, as, as Giannis, but probably as Kawhi Leonard or Zach Levine, but mm-hmm. never was able to make those kind of steps. And maybe Zach's another example of a guy who did make those kinds of steps. So. Can Pat Williams do it? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Do I expect it? Probably not. I mean, just in general, the answer should be probably not with any guy because most people don't. Be fun to keep our eyes on that for the rest of this year, the development of Patrick Williams. Nikola Vucevic rebounds per game over or under 11 and a half. That's what he averaged with the Bulls when he came to them uh, at the trade deadline. You expecting that to go over or under? It's funny when you said that, I'm like, I'm going to definitely take the over on this before you said the number. I'm like, whatever it is, it's going to be the over. And then you said 11 and a half. And I'm like, "Mm, he really threw out a number that tempts the under, didn't he? Uh, I'm still going to go with the over, though, just because it's like, who else is going to rebound on this team? Like, there's like like everyone else is like 6'5". I mean, it's just you just kind of feel he's always been a big defensive rebounder. And I think that would maybe be his, I'm not looking at the stats right now, but it's gotta be either his career mark if he hit it or or close to it. Um, But I still just think the over just because there's no one else and he's gonna play a lot of minutes um, because there's no one behind him either. So I I think I'm gonna take the over, even though my, my mind says there's no way I should bet on a guy his age, like setting a career high and rebounding. I should probably take probably take the under, but I'll I'll stick with the over anyway. I'm gonna go with the over as well for the reasons you outlined. I think it's it's the longest guy on the floor, and I mean, who who else is gonna be grabbing rebounds, right? The the thing with him, I do think it's going to be like a soft over, like 11.6, 11.7. That's kind of the number that's just bouncing in my head. But I think his career marks somewhere around like that 10 and a half range so the tricky thing is the minutes per game yeah that's that's if he if he reason i could see him not making that number is if he just doesn't get enough minutes because they're trying to keep him healthier but i just just look at who else we have who's big and i feel like he's almost certainly gonna play the minutes too because there's just no one else and the only reason he wouldn't is just if he's fatigued uh you know he's getting up it's not like he's ancient but he's getting up there a little bit if he's a little fatigued maybe maybe he doesn't quite get the minutes but that's he should have a killer rebound rate this year. I guess maybe we we probably both agree on that. Now, a lot of Bulls fans are talking about the Bulls' defense because national perspective is that the Bulls are going to be horrendous defensively. Uh, it seems like locally and amongst Bulls fans, we expect a little bit better of a performance. There's probably somewhere in between that they're going to fall defensively. But last year, they finished holding opponents to a 111.6 points per game, about 14th best in the NBA. Uh, over or under 112 points per game given up to opponents this year? 
It's a tricky one because it really gets more into the pace the team plays at, I think, than the defense. Um, I think our defense will be kind of middle of the pack, and I think a middle of the pack defense can hold the team to less than that. But I also think it feels like we're going to try to play really fast. And so if you just have more possessions, uh, even if, you know, the, the gap between a really good defense and a really bad defense is is, is probably like uh, like one, 1. 1.05 points per game versus like, you know, one point a game. So it's like 10 extra possessions actually does a lot more to your points per game than than, than being a great defense versus an average defense. Uh, so uh, with the possessions in there, I still think I'm going to take the under just because maybe I'm just too rooted in 90s basketball. It just seems like an impossible number. Like my my mind just can't wrap around the fact that we'd allow that many points. But um, yeah, the pace would be the one thing if they if they do play really fast consistently would would make me consider the over. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go with the under. It's just just too big a number. My my 90s brain can't wrap around it. I still feel like teams average in the 80s, even if it's not true. Yeah, the best defensive team in the league, or in terms of opponents' points per game, was the Knicks at like 104. So it's it's a totally different game because even. You know, the Bulls under Tom Thibodeau, I think they were holding teams to about 98, 99 points per game. And that was, what, 10 years ago? Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to to wrap your mind around that. But uh, to a point you brought up, I keep thinking that this team's going to be much faster. And so I'm going with the over. But maybe not by much. Maybe around like 114, 113 points per game. But I think it's going to be because of pace that brings that number up. I don't think they're going to be horrendous, but... I do think there's going to be a lot of high-scoring games in there that could drag that that total uh, points per game for opponents up. I want to wrap up with this one because you always have to do this one with win totals. Um, now, I've seen some odds makers put the line at 41.5. I've seen others do 42.5. For this, I'm going to go 41.5. So what do you think, Doug? Over or under 41.5 wins for the Bulls this year? I think every Bulls fan feels the over is free money. And mm. the thing I'll comment about that, and I'm sure you're going to take the over too. Uh, but the thing I'll comment about that is I've felt that way for like the last four years. <laughs> and like the under has been right every single year. Uh, but this is the year. This is the year. This is the year where I feel the odds makers have, like before we were banking on players getting better and improving and finding fit and staying healthier. And this year, I think, People are too anchored to what our most recent pre- like records have been and have ignored the fact that basically this team is almost entirely different than any of those other teams. Like it's, it's just unrecognizable. You have only a couple guys who have been here more than a year. And so people, I think, are just too anchored on that old number in Vegas and maybe even the people betting are too anchored on their old number for a team that doesn't really remotely resemble the team they had in the past. Uh, so I, th- I think it's the over. I don't. I'm not like super optimistic, but I would. I would set my own over under like 43, 43 and a half. Yeah, I'm. I'm going with the over on this too. And the number that keeps popping into my head when I think of Bulls win totals is 44. I do think um, this whole Eastern Conference is just so jumbled. Once you get past the Bucks and the Nets, it's like oh, there's a whole bunch of teams that you could see falling back from their winning percentages from last year. You could definitely see a team like, again, the Bulls making a major jump. A team like the Knicks taking a slight jump back. Maybe Boston takes a slight jump forward. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks in the Eastern Conference, but that's the number that just keeps popping in my head. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the over on this. I agree. The East is tough to handicap this year for the, with exactly what you said. After the top two teams, you've got like 
six teams, you'd probably say, and I think the Bulls are in that group of six that are probably roughly similar, just depending who stays healthier, who gels a little bit more. But that that like three through eight spots are, you know, just kind of up in the air. And then and then you look at the teams that are like nine through eleven or so, and they're just like a shade worse too. It's not like it's like so crazy to think that those teams could make leaps forward. It's just the teams in like that three through eight. You kind of feel like they have all the pieces. They just those pieces just need to perform how you know they can perform. Like you know, Jason Tatum and and Boston and and whatever. Like they've got good guys there, so they just need to play a little better than they have. And the other teams have proven it. And the Bulls have the pieces, but need to prove it. And then you go to like someone like Cleveland, and you're like, wow, they sure got a lot of young talent. And I don't expect them to put it all together because they haven't. And in our games against them, it doesn't look like they're going to. But if they did, you wouldn't be like, oh, I could never see that coming, right? Like they've got like. Half their team is like high lottery picks that have already shown at least individual capabilities. If they all put it together, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I can see how that can happen. There's only a couple teams where you're like, I have no idea how this team could do well. And th- those teams will probably do really poorly. But even like the next the teams in that like nine through you know 11, nine through 12 area, like even those teams, like they're not like shockingly below the other teams either. So uh, it is going to be a very competitive East this year. Uh, very top heavy and then like a bunch of teams slogging it out in the middle and i think the bulls are in that that same slog and will probably be a little bit above average in it so before i spring you loose doug and again i thank you for coming on and doing these over-unders with me again but what's your expectation in terms of ceiling for this team and and floor for this team this year in the in the eastern conference well assuming you take injuries out of the equation because if you don't i mean like the floor is always like 15 wins right like you just like have just horrific injuries right away but assuming you take like major season altering injuries out of the 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 question and you only have your kind of typical guys miss 10 games here whatever um i think the floor is probably in the mid to upper 30s uh like i I think talent wise they're not going to do worse than say like 37 wins um and the ceiling i i put the ceiling probably in the low 50s um, if everything just goes perfectly, like if you have everyone gels really well, I, I think you could you could hit the low 50s. I I don't see any reason why this team couldn't be the three seed if everything went well. I don't kind of expect them to be the three seed, but I don't see like any reason why I go like, yeah, there's no way we could be better than Philadelphia or Boston. Like, yeah, of course we could, you know, like Philadelphia's got all kinds of stuff going wrong with them. Of course we could be better than them. Boston has got talent, but it's been like, underperforming for like several years in a row Uh, you know you could of course be better than them you know Miami like I could stack up our guys against those guys and say yeah I think maybe we're just better than them just straight up and Atlanta is like Trey Young and a bunch of question marks so sure we could be better than them like but all those other teams comparing them to us could say the same thing they could be like yeah of course I could see how we're better than the Bulls so that's why it's a jumbled mess but I'd say our upside is is very high if things go well our downside is it's not like tragically low like it's been the past few years, but our downside is still missed the playoffs, um, even without a tragic injury. If just, you know, these other teams are just a little bit better than us, I could see us uh, finishing under under the mark. Man, it, it's kind of fun to be talking about these kind of scenarios again with the Chicago Bulls. It yeah, at least the upside good. exists. <laughs> at least it exists yeah. now. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know that we could get past the second round of the playoffs without something really spectacular happening. But I said when we made the Brusevich trade, if we make the second round one time while he's here, I'll be happy that we made mm-hmm. this trade. If we fail to achieve that, I'll feel like yeah, it probably would have been better to keep rebuilding. 
you know, like if, if you can't make the playoffs, you know, give up all your picks and you don't even get this the second round, then you kind of missed out. So I, I, my hope is that we can do that. And I think we have a real chance to do that this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Doug, thanks again for coming on and doing this. And uh, we'll talk with you again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. It's a joy as always. All right, so that was Doug Tonus, the host of the Bulls Beat podcast and co-host of the Big Red Bus podcast with Fred Pfeiffer, C-Red Fred, of course, for those of you in Bulls Nation who follow him. Um, Yeah, like Doug, I have that same feeling that this team's ceiling could be somewhere around that third seed mark. Uh, Like I said earlier in the podcast, it really even wouldn't shock me if they got a second seed because of load management that occurs with some of the better teams in the league. You know, if, if teams like the Nets and Bucks decide to rest some of their star players to ensure that they can be ready and poised for a postseason run, the Bulls could easily stack up regular season wins and just barely get ahead of them. So I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. But it's amazing that we're here. And that the Chicago Bulls are actually in this discussion of being a playoff team again. One thing I do disagree with Doug on is the Vucevic trade. I do think it was the right move to make, and I wouldn't look back on it at all. Even if the ceiling is the second round, or if they get knocked out in the first round this year, I'm still fine with that move. Because look, you've gotten in the lottery all of these years, and you're picking seventh, You're not always insured to get a top pick. And what did you end up with? You ended up with two lottery picks that are no longer on the team in Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen. Uh, You have Kobe White, who's a really good, I think, role player for this team, and Patrick Williams. But it didn't guarantee you getting a superstar that could elevate you into title contention. I think the route the Bulls are taking now of building a team that's playoff-ready and assessing it from there and seeing what moves to make in the future is fine. And you have to give up capital to do that. But you can easily take some of the pieces you have now and build on it in coming off seasons. So it's one thing I disagree with, and you've heard me say that on previous episodes. Before I wrap this up here, I just want to throw this out here to Bulls Nation. There is a possibility that the Bulls could... I guess for lack of a better term, stumble out of the gate. Now, they have a very favorable schedule early in the season, the first couple of weeks. So I do think they have a chance to feast early and pile up some wins. But I do think when they face stiffer competition, things could come back to earth around Thanksgiving or before the holiday season. And I would just caution Bulls fans not to panic. Don't panic early out of the gate. I would ask you to watch patiently early in the season. When the new year comes around, I think you'll know what team you have in the Chicago Bulls. And that's when I expect things to really pick up, when I think they will start to hit their stride as a team. You know, we've seen some encouraging signs in preseason. They look like they're starting to gel. But when you start facing some of the stiffer competition and not lowly competition and playing some of those scrubs in preseason, you could see a little bit of a different product on the court. But it sometimes takes a while for teams that add a lot of new pieces to gel. Uh, A really good example of that, if you go back to last season, the Atlanta Hawks made some shrewd moves in the offseason to add to their young roster. And we know that there was the whole coaching situation with Lloyd Pierce. 
They fire him. They bring Nate McMillan in, and the Hawks go on a run. I don't think that's going to happen with Billy Donovan or anything like that. But the point is, it took them a while to hit their stride. And they ended up getting uh, a top five seed. I think they finished with a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference and ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals. So sometimes you you never know when things start clicking. And I just would caution Bulls fans, if by the new year they're at 500 or somewhere hovering around there, don't panic. Don't panic. You could definitely start to hit the panic button if end of January, early February, that team's still at 500 or below 500. Then I, I give you permission to worry. Actually, you don't have to take permission from me. I'm not here to tell you how to be a fan. And I probably will be panicking with you. So, um, you know, I guess I, I shouldn't talk. But I want to put this out here now, and I'll, I'll try to take my own advice as the season goes on. Don't panic if things are slow coming out of the gate. It's a brand-new team with brand-new pieces. Like Doug mentioned, you only have a couple of guys on this team that have been here for more than a season, right? Zach Levine, Kobe White, those guys have been here for two-plus seasons. Other than that, everybody's only been here for maybe a year or less. So keep that in mind as things kick off this year. And I know I'm definitely excited to get this season underway. It's fun to actually have high expectations for your team again, isn't it? Like to actually expect your team to be in the playoffs and compete. It's pretty nice, isn't it? It's nice to be back there. It's been, us Bulls fans, we haven't had that in a while. So enjoy it because uh, we've been through the ringer the last four seasons and it's going to be fun to get back to some competitive basketball again. So we're going to have plenty of episodes this season probably on a bi-weekly basis, sometimes sooner if there's major breaking news or events we need to talk about with the Bulls sooner rather than later. But most of the time, it'll be on a bi-weekly basis, and we'll continue to bring on some notable guests, a mix of content creators in Bulls Nation and reporters that cover the team, as well as some episodes where I fly solo. So with that, I'm your host, Matt Gentile, And I look forward to you joining me on episodes of the Rebuildable Podcast this upcoming 2022 Chicago Bulls season. It's going to be a fun one. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.